You're listening to Colored Commentary, a Threaded podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Threaded and the ways to support and donate to this organization, check out wearethreaded.org. Now, here's the show. How you doing out there, Colored Commentary family? You are in Colored Commentary. Colorful conversations by colorful people about Christianity, culture, and race. I'm your host, Marcus Lloyd, and with me as always, Mr. Antoine Malone. What is happening, Mr. Malone? Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to uh, another installment of Colored Commentary. Another one, yes. Really excited to be here today with our guest, and we'll introduce her uh, very soon, Um, especially I was thinking about how crazy busy is anyone else out there yes. doing too many things yes. at one time right now. Yes. You know, all, it's, it's just always. that time of year where uh, everything is happening all at once. And, uh, and so it feels good to just to be here and to does it take feel a deep good? breath. You're, it's, it you've does. got things to good. do and you're, you're in here. And, and I, I, look, and I need you I here. Do I don't need you thinking about here, all those here, things here, here right that's here. The Bill Cosby. Yeah, here. That's right. Come, come, come here. here. Yes, here. that's exactly right. Yeah. No, yeah. I look, there's lots. I'm with you. I wish the things that I was doing were really like things that, that, that were about what I need to do. I feel like everything I'm doing is for like my kids and my wife right now. Like that's I, true. every you had it's, football game last night. Uh, yes. Yeah. Football game last night. We got band I'm night sure tonight. I, I enjoy <laughs> I'm not. You're not going to bait me into talking about this football game. You're not going to. You're not going to give it a day. I did. I tried to. I'm not going to do it. You I'm not going to do, do it. it. You almost. I was. Did, I almost did. I was I there. I was there at the game. The game was what it was. Okay, that's it. That's all you okay, need. Okay, Tonight right. though is is like is like band night, and this is where my children oh, shine. There it is. It's all their creative gifts come out. And they're going to be doing it. My youngest is going to be playing snare. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm excited to do it. Uh, and then, what's up? And then tomorrow is the high school football game where my mm. son is playing in the band as well. So I, it's all it's all week of this constantly, you know. So yeah. I envy yeah. you. Got a different kind of busy going. On. I oh, I guess we got some shared busy. Yeah, and we then, did. Yeah. So, but, but one of the things taking up both of our times yeah. is the Mosaic Conference, which is coming up on November. In November, November the 8th through the 10th, which every one of you need to sign up for in one way or the other. If you're here in Dallas, um, hello, we need you to represent Dallas live and in person at the event. You can yes. go get your tickets at Mosaics. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. There's no reason why you can't do that. Just take the day off and 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 show up. It's going to be very, very, very refreshing we were just mm. talking about this a Ooh, minute ago okay. to walk into a room where you don't have to contend for this conversation instead you get to be creative and learn from others who are already moving forward in their conversation yes so if that's you and you want you know you're looking for that little bit of an oasis here in dallas you want to make sure you show up at at the conference and so you need to sign up for it but if you are not in Dallas or can't make it to Dallas on those days, Marcus is going to tell you about this very cool option that's available just for you. I love it. I love that you threw it over to me when I wasn't listening to you. So uh, you're talking about the <laughs> you're talking about the virtual the mosaics, yeah, the mosaic virtual. The, the Thank virtual you. Virtual mosaics conference. I, I yes. tune out occasionally when you're talking. I, I have Stay other on things. Top of it, Marcus. I have other things I'm doing. I was busy. I had a break. I was working you on my schoolwork. This is the nature. I tell you, I got to take every second. Um, yeah. So look, yeah. If you're not here in person and uh, you still want to be a part of it and we know we've got folks who listen all across the country uh even across the world and so if you want to be a part of the mosaic conference which you do it's not even really a question it's more of a comment you want to be a part of the mosaic conference uh if you're not going to fly all the way over here to d-town you can check us out on the virtual option right this is going to be the mosaic conference uh the virtual side of this and the best part about this antoine is that most people when they think virtual they're thinking oh a live stream i'm just gonna watch live stream i'm gonna kind of have my coffee and do stuff no no that's not how it works we are bringing you not a live stream but a virtual experience that's right experience you're gonna have two a little echo a little echo you're gonna have i i I was gonna say two but it's actually going to be three um beautiful and handsome people uh, guiding you through this virtual conference two of them are talking to you right now and one is on the way uh it's gonna be great we got colored commentary uh, walking us through the virtual conference. There are breakouts you get to take and get engaged with. You get to network and talk with other folks 
who are at the conference virtually, and you also get to hear from folks who are in person at the conference as well. Also, this is this is exclusive, right? There are things that you get to do on this virtual you won't get to do in person. You are going to have question and answer with the with some of the speakers right here uh, in the virtual that uh, other people won't get access to. You know, just kind of like you do here. You got access to people you don't usually get access to. You're going to get access to those folks. It's going to be cool. And, and there's other stuff. I don't want to give it all because we, we kind of talk about it on each show. But uh, Indeed. But you know that it's coming up. So November 10th through, excuse me, not, uh, <laughs> I got all the dates wrong. Eight. I had to go I had to go all through. Like when your mom used to call you all the names in the yeah, house yeah. You, you, to get to yours. One, two, three, I know. So four, let me just start. Let me, let me start with the right one. <laughs> November 8th through the 10th yeah. is when the conference yeah, is. is that's both in person and virtual as well. Get yeah. yo tickets because it's going to be good. Yeah, only $69 for, for, the virtual. for one person. And if you get another person to go with you, $59 each. If you get three or more people to sign with to sign up with you, then it's $49 each. Yes. So very simple, very easy for you to be a part of. I like easy. Um, we want we want to make that easy for you. So there you go. All right, Mosaic's conference. Check check done done. Now yes, let's get yes, on. Yes, that's exactly to right. Our guest. <laughs> well, while you're in the while you're in the clapping mood, while you're in the clapping mood, let's go ahead <laughs> no, and welcome uh, our next person on the show. You didn't have any idea I was going to do that. That's the best part. I love what I, I did when not. I hit you I with those things. Why you in the clapping mood? <laughs> okay, so oh, look, man. we are going to get to the Mosaic Conference, and there are amazing speakers there, and we have one of them on the show today. I can't wait for you to meet uh, this young lady. Okay, she's the Executive Minister of Make and Deepen Disciples for the Evangelical Covenant Church. Say it three times fast, Antoine. See if you get it. You can't do it. No. It's hard. It's hard to do. But this is a vibrant multi-ethnic denomination with more than 890 congregations. I can't wait to talk about that. Now, this this lady, and, you know, we're in this business, and you and I, we're not, we're not smart people, uh, but she is. Uh, she studied international business at NYU, and she worked as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. I'm gonna I, this this show is going to turn into her looking at my finances and trying to help me. It's not even gonna be about what we're doing it right. Uh, but she's gotten into ministry as well, minister with international students with crew. Uh, she's been frequent conference speaker on lots of things and a columnist with Outreach Magazine. Uh, and she's she's authored a few books. Now, she's got several. I don't know. It's like she's doing it all at once. It's like a trilogy. She's like, I'm going to get all the books that I want to write in like everybody takes four years to write. She's doing it all in one year and dropping Sometimes it. I got, one I got time. five in the vault. I know. That's what I'm talking about. Like, this is so my like, world. You know? Yeah, she's doing it all. Know, maybe so, it's not empty. Maybe she got some more left. <laughs> she's got it. I don't know. But it's all coming out. It's the same time. It's going to be fun. So please, please welcome to the show, Mrs. Michelle Sanchez. How are you doing, Michelle? Welcome to Colored Commentary. Glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much, Marcus and Antoine. You guys are a trip. Great to be here. <laughs> that she's already learning uh, the hard way. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, I, I, we're excited to, to have you on the show and excited. You said that uh, you know, we talked about the Mosaic Conference, and of course you said, as we were talking to you before, uh, that this is the first time you're going to not only speak at the conference, but also just attend. So so what does that look like going into, and how do you feel about kind of going into a, I'm not going to say strange conference, because it's not strange, but it's it's just not something you've Different, done. How yeah. does it feel going into to a conference like this? Oh, well, you know, I've been in leadership not so long on a national level. Uh So I've heard about this conference, but finally, you know, now post pandemic, I have the opportunity to go and I cannot wait. Now I will say, actually, it feels like an opportunity to meet more family members. Mm. The Evangelical Covenant Church, by God's grace, has actually been at this work of multi-ethnic commitment and anti-racism for many, many years, you know, before it was a cool trendy thing to do oh did it become cool and trendy all of a sudden <laughs> well <laughs> i mean i guess it could be experienced you know like <laughs> so uh yeah so i i actually feel again by god's grace that i'm in a community now that values the multi-ethnic kingdom mm. of god but i can't wait to meet more people brothers and sisters who are committed to the same because we need to encourage each other yes yes and you're going to meet them there's going to be a ton of folks there that's one of the things i love about the conference every year is that it does feel like it's a bunch of folks who who almost i think have felt like they were out on an island by themselves or with mm-hmm. some smaller group and when they come together it's like oh my gosh there's 
there's more of us, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling. Uh, Now, before we get into it though, you know, in the, in the intro, I mentioned that you were in international business and you were an investment banker at Goldman Sachs. I have been in ministry for almost 20 years. Uh, I see what my paycheck looks like (laughs) and I'm trying to wonder why anybody would leave investment banking and anything that goes (laughs) to international business has to be more lucrative. What has you here? How did you get to this point where you're doing what you're doing? Oh, my friend, you're right. It's only Jesus. Well, hallelujah. (laughs) You know, I actually went from working at Goldman Sachs to working for Crew, Mm. which is a campus ministry where you need to raise your own support. I can't tell you how many people looked at me like I was absolutely insane (laughs) when they heard. Oh, my God. You're going from making money to asking for money. Okay. I know about it. Jesus. But there really is a story behind it. I did grow up in the church and I've always been very passionate about discipleship and evangelism, but I never thought I would work in ministry. That, that just really didn't cross my mind. I majored in international business. I loved it. And, you know, with my current work, I still do love anything intercultural, but my plan was to make money because I Mm. didn't have any. Yes. That's what the plan was. It's still my plan. I I like the plan. Let's, (laughs) Let's do it. And, and and the Lord provided. But you know what? I have a plan. The Lord has a plan, which is not mine. So my second day at work was actually 9-11. Oh. And I worked right in the vicinity of the Twin Towers. And brothers, that day changed everything, mm. as it did for many people right. who experienced it. So, um, you know, I, I remember just being there on the 17th floor. It's morning. I'm just drinking my coffee, trying to wake up. And then suddenly, you know, we're we're hearing reports about planes crashing and oh, yeah. possible terrorism. And it was just one of the most terrifying things. Well, I remember um, walking over the Brooklyn Bridge to get home because, you know, no yeah. subways, no right. no taxis, nothing. The whole city shut down in the midst of this terror. And I remember walking over the Brooklyn Bridge and I just had this God moment. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, the city's in flames behind me. I don't know what else is going to happen. I don't know if somebody's going to come and blow up this bridge. I could just, what if today was my last day? Mm. I realized I wouldn't be ready. Not that I didn't know Christ, I did, and I know I knew I'd be with him, but I just had a sense that many of my life choices I had made more for me than for Christ. Mm. Lots of people who are lovely Christian people work in finance. So I'm yeah. not saying you, you know, you can't do that, but I, I knew my own heart and mm-hmm. I, I knew I wouldn't be ready. I hadn't done with my life with what I really felt I should do. So all right. Well, that started a few years process. I did stay at Goldman Sachs. I worked there and it was it was good. But I I began a long process of discernment where the Lord really revealed, I've got something else for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, from there, I, I, I jumped. I made the truly it felt like a leap of faith from investment banking, very prestigious work uh, to crew, raising support for crew and helped to start a brand new ministry to international students at NYU. I made a commitment initially for one year, but I started it, loved it, and never looked back. Wow. Goodness. Wow. You know, and I, look, I love, love hearing. I mean, they hurt my, it hurts my heart occasionally uh, to hear stories like that. And I love it. You know what I mean? Cause there's an aspect about it where uh, we, Antoine and I know, you know, we've been on this idealistic sort of space of, of doing ministry for a long time. And uh, and it's a, a beautiful space. It's one that uh, in many ways you have to be called to, but when you're called to it, you you have those moments, and it's more than not, right, where you're like, man, I, I just feel like immediately fully connected with God and, and the mission that he's given. Uh, and I don't know, for us, uh, particularly in the ministries that we have, it's there's a, a part of it that, that keeps us there that's very personal, right? Yes. Like there's aspects that, that, that just connect to us personally. So I, we always love to, particularly those who are in this work, 
uh, in the, the racial space, cross-cultural space. Like, this is hard work these days. And so the question we'd like to kind of ask is, like, what's your skin in the game on this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what? how is this work personal to you? Uh, we see that your last name is Sanchez, but we, we're looking at you. And, I, I mean, you know, people look <laughs> whatever they're going to look. But uh, I'm not sure if you're connected into the uh, Latino Latina community or not. Yes, uh, so uh, I, don't know if there's I, I love confusing everyone with my last name. So Sanchez uh, comes from my husband, who's Colombian-American. Mm-hmm. So I don't have Latin American in me, but I got plenty in my household. Uh, <laughs> I myself there. am African-American. Nice, nice. And so, so where then do you find the sort of personal connection to uh, doing this work? Oh, my goodness. All right, friends. So the, the book that I have coming out um, in November really tracks my journey. It's called Color Courageous Discipleship. Color Courageous Discipleship. And mm. essentially... It, it tracks my journey and invites others on a journey from colorblind to color courageous. Now, let me tell you, if you had told me five years ago that I was going to be writing a book about race now, I would never have believed you, wow. okay. friend. Never, ever, ever. Why? Because really, I was kind of like a committed colorblind person. Sure. Race. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my. So. I think a lot of us have trauma related to race. Uh, I certainly did as well. And I talk about this in my book a little bit. My trauma um, was maybe a little bit different. I uh, grew up in a predominantly white area. My my parents were from the Bronx, South Bronx. Mm. But through like a special home ownership program, they were able to move out uh, to Long Island and raise me in this very well-resourced community although we ourselves remain kind of in this black pocket that was not mm, okay. well-resourced. But that meant um, that, yeah, my, a lot of my experience has been in these predominantly white contexts. And as I was doing well in school, a lot of the black community didn't appreciate that, you know, and yep. I became an Oreo cookie. Mm, and, mm. you know, I, my behavior was just too in line with white culture. And it was traumatic brothers i that was some 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 of the bullying i went through in those years was some of the hardest like middle school years which yeah yeah. a lot of us don't like to think about middle school don't like to remember Mm. (laughs) or high school for some of us yeah like it's that that whole that whole window Hey, uh, Michelle, I want to put an explanatory comma in here, just in case our listeners, you mentioned Oreo cookie. Uh, For those listeners who may not know, uh, every uh, many in many ethnic groups, if you uh, are, are, say, brown, black, uh, Asian on the outside, but you act like a white person, they create some they find a particular uh, food item to associate with you that uh, does that. So for black people, it's Oreo black on the outside, white on the inside. Uh, My brown Latino Latina brothers and sisters, it's a coconut. And for my Asian brothers and sisters, it's a banana. So that's enough with the explanatory comma. Sorry, Michelle, go go ahead. You got it. And, uh, you know, I grew up on the Cosby show. Mm. And my... That's right. My who was your favorite was character? Who was it? Who, are you about to tell Claire us? Who, wait, Claire the Huxtable. Yeah. Claire. Uh, <laughs> Why you I it? was going to be Claire Huxtable. Okay. All that right. Look, you got a little Claire. I, I can see it. I can see, see a little. Yeah. I see a little. You just got to start Claire speaking happened. Spanish out of nowhere. And then it's like, wait a second. That is Claire Huxtable. I, 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 feel, like, I feel like Michelle could have a Claire mom conversation. I like, think so, too. Yeah, like she's gonna sit down and let Very you know measured and exactly like, what it is. I'm going measured, right at this thing. Assertive. Uh-huh. I, I like to know, see that. I see this, it. This warms my heart because <laughs> really, I still love me some Claire. Hustle. I know, I know. Too bad you uh, know, we have the but whole yeah, thing. You know, that was kind of in the this era where it was like, look, um, black or not, what you need to do is work hard. Mm-hmm. You just need to work hard. You need to get yourself some good grades, get right. some professional degrees, and you know, it, it'll work out for you. It'll sure. work out. So. You know, through this combination of events, um, really, I sought to minimize race because it was just painful and and hard and traumatic, right? And right. so I've taken a very colorblind approach, and I think a lot of people in my generation in, in a similar situation have done so. Uh, and so, look, um, <laughs> over time, though, the Lord has opened my eyes. He's opened my eyes to the limits of colorblindness. Mm. He's done that in a million different ways. One quick example, when I was working at Goldman Sachs, I was invited to join a volunteer program. I went to volunteer uh, teaching at an inner city school in New York. 
and I, you know, I'm on my way and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to meet miniature versions of myself, you know, and uh, <laughs> it was a primarily black and brown school. Sure, okay. Sure. And I'm just thinking, oh, you know, they're just need some inspiration and everything. It's going to be great. You guys, I felt like I walked through those doors and I was no longer in uh, the United States. Mm. Um, I couldn't believe there was a school like this in our country. Yes. So dilapidated, the conditions were awful. It was dark. It was dirty. Um, you know, in the classroom itself, mm. overcrowded, there were kids sitting in desks outside the classroom, mm. like trying to peek in. The classroom was rowdy, zero wow. control. It was like, I could not believe it. I said to myself, uh, what if I had been a, a, a child in this school? Yeah. I mean, some of these kids can't even hear much, much less, you know, learn anything. And for the first time, really, it was like lightning strike. Doesn't matter how hard you work. Sometimes the system around you is not conducive mm. to your success. And so there were many moments like that, that the Lord opened my eyes to the limits of, say, meritocracy. Meritocracy is great. I still believe in it. Work hard, get rewarded. But there's also systemic realities. And so, friends, um, over the years, I began to grow more and more and more in joining the Evangelical Covenant. Again, I began to grow more because it's been so committed to this work. But key moment for me, after the death of George Floyd in 2020 and so many others, um, you know, uh, that was a time where by God's will, you know, pretty much the whole world shut down and a lot of us had time to think about systemic racism in our country and to get educated about these, well, not just in our country, but around the world. So I began to come across, really dive into all the statistics, you know, education, wealth, employment, criminal justice, healthcare, all these areas where the colorblindness hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we still are experiencing these massive gaps and it's unjust. And yeah. you know, what, what, what do we need to do different? And especially what do disciples need to do different? So as a national discipleship leader, I began to say, what are the clear connections between discipleship and anti-racism pursuing equity? I began to think about it, write about it. And three books later, here mm. I am. <laughs> wow. Later. But three at Let a time. Ask you. Oh. <laughs> no, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Three at a time. So I love to focus on discipleship as a as the initiator for change, yeah. you know, and the centeredness of that. Um, obviously, not everyone is 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 uh motivated by discipleship so the believing factors the us believers we know that uh as we grow more and more like christ um we 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 suspect that christ is existing outside of a color a colorblind mindset and so we want to learn how to see people for who they are and the value and uh that that god Amen. has created them in bring them in but what i'm curious about is courageous now i know it, it's you went the I'm sure with writing, you're always thinking about words to use, right? So like we're gonna go from colorblind to and then courageous was a part of the part of the title. I'm curious why you chose chose courageous. Uh yeah. it on some levels I think it feels feels obvious, uh, but maybe not so much. So I'm curious why you chose creative, uh chose uh, courageous. Absolutely. Couple different reasons, but let me say this first. So um, when I'm talking about courage, I'm not talking about, you know, embarking on daring exploits and amazing feats. Um, it, it's more about being willing to take the risk of, of carrying the cross for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. He calls us into this risky journey of discipleship, which is carrying the cross, which may entail and often does entail at different points, suffering, challenges, pain, and even death, different kinds of death to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it takes courage to say yes to our God and say, I, I'm going to trust that there's something good coming on the other side as I follow you. And so that is the kind of courage that I'm calling people to. The work of the multi-ethnic kingdom requires two things. One's a little bit easier than the other. It, it requires um, diversity. It requires us to see people as they are and to invite them in. Um, but it also requires uh, resisting racism, dismantling mm -hmm. racism, 
And that work is a lot harder um, because it often does require taking some risks in, in the context that we're in, challenging existing systems, um, and perhaps carrying the cross. So, so that emphasis, um, you know, uh, of discipleship is really what I wanted to highlight in this work. The other thing I would say is that I want to challenge people. There's a lot of people who still believe colorblindness is the way. And so to say, nope, in a, in a, in a, remem- a memorable phrase, we want to move from colorblind to color courageous. Uh, yeah, I think that's helpful. I, you know, people, I, the words, the words uh, sound good, I think, to people, right? Um, but what are, what are the, what are the benefits? I mean, there's a courageous aspect. And when you're talking about the courageous, it was like, those <laughs> things sound like hard things, but, but is there a benefit to us, um, beyond sort of lining up and, and kind of carrying the cross mm-hmm. and those things, but is there a benefit to human beings moving away from colorblindness that you can, that you can see and articulate? Oh gosh, yes. So there's, there's many different ways in which I'd say uh, that there is a benefit. And first, I'd say anytime we get closer to God's heart mm. in anything, you know, in any area uh, of life, uh, of the kingdom, we will experience more of God. We will get more of God. Uh, in the same way, um, there is no one person or, or people group that fully um, encapsulates our God. God is represented, uh, his image and represented in all cultures and all peoples. There's this beautiful scripture about all of the peoples of the world in the end times bringing their treasures, you know, um, the treasures of their people and their culture into the kingdom and it's all enjoying those treasures. So it's, it's a matter of getting closer to God, to me. That's, that is the benefit that as we get closer to God's heart, we get closer to God himself. And we also get more of God as we interact with a more diverse set of God's people. Yeah, that seems like, you know, kind of the, it begs the question, um, if if moving towards diversity is getting more of God, then it begs the question then, okay, if I'm if I'm not moving towards diversity, am I am I am I am I committing some sort of, you know, first am I committing some sort of sinful act? Uh am I am I missing something? Am I losing something with that? I mean, that's that's what the implication is. I mean, is that does that follow to your thought process? Very good question. So for me, um, again, I'm a discipleship person. And so for me, the issue is primarily the heart. It's primarily the heart, which then leads us to engage the world differently, to see things we may not have seen before, to see people differently, or or to pursue opportunities we may have pursued before. So something that I I do like to point out um, when it comes to, you know, what if I'm in a homogenous environment? You know, is it somehow sinful or evil? Um, And the reality is this. Our Lord and Savior basically did homogenous ministry. Mm -hmm. Okay. He yeah. was called to the Jewish people. Yeah. He did interact with others, obviously, of course. But his prime, you know, all of his 12 disciples and his primary ministry context was Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was strongly monocultural. Now, that's interesting. Um, and I'd say, well, that was his call. But, but, but you could see the nature of his heart and the nature of what the ultimate call was to be. So as he did his ministry, he was constantly connecting with people outside of his own ethnic or cultural groups, showing love for them and building bridges. And then, of course, um, you know, oh, he, he would use them as role models in his story, mm-hmm. yeah. right? That right. the Good Samaritan was a role model, was the star of right. the story. In the illustrations, he told people he lifted up, you know, these other cultural groups. And then, of course, his final commissioning, his final commissioning was want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And that word in the Greek is ethne, ethne, from where we get ethnicities. Go and interact with, make disciples of all the ethnicities now, and I'll be with you as you do that. And so, although his primary context was homogenous, he built this heart, this bridge-building, justice-oriented heart in his disciples and commissioned them 
wherever you have opportunity, I want you to be building these bridges as the Holy Spirit provides opportunity, right? So for me, it's it's more about what's going on on the inside. And if we're ready for it, God will provide us with opportunities. Holy Spirit provided opportunities to experience more of him with others and to share God with other cultures and peoples. Yeah. And, and anyone who's listening, who, who follows after me, I did not give Michelle these things to say. Uh, <laughs> we just met today. So you're he's, he's, I, he's I, awesome things right out the him. I know. I just, exactly. <laughs> so, I, was, I just want everyone to so know. His, his I did not is, is very cool. make her say these things. Well, She's I, saying I these things because this is true. And so you're going to hear it from lots of mouths, not just right here. So what are you going to say? It's yeah. I will say, I think it's interesting uh, understanding that, that homogenous, uh, you know, there's a, there's a verse in scripture where Jesus says, I will call to the Jew. Like he expressly right. states that. Yes. I think it's very interesting because I think um, the way that has really impacted the way I pursue discipleship, how, how I interface with the church and how I interface with the world um, has, has that that's really, you know, challenged my thinking on that. You know, one of the things I come away from that is, you know, there's a family of God. And uh, so as God's church, which is why the church should lead the way in this work, how we treat each other first becomes um, the platform for how the world will see what should happen when mm-hmm. we treat each other differently. And so Jesus is like, look, I'm trying to get God. In some ways, the Jews were God's people. Not in some ways, they were God's people. But Jesus was saying, um, we're going to try to get our people together, <laughs> you know, so that we can get everyone yeah. else together, which is in line with what, what he calls Abraham to. When he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. And so bring that all the way forward to God's church. You say, okay, you're now Abraham. You're now the sons of Abraham. You're now this community of people that um, that have a very specific focus inward as a people, mm-hmm. as Peter would say, you know, as a, as a new people, as a royal priesthood and all of that, that is meant to exemplify this kingdom of God so that the world can see who he is and be mm-hmm. drawn to who he is by how you treat each other. And it's just a beautiful model. So there is some homogenous principle, except the homogeneity is around the blood of Christ, not so much around, you know, who we are, uh, ethnically and culturally. And in the process of that, we see this beautiful myriad and mosaic of, of God, uh, of God's creation reflecting himself back to us. Oh, and one more thought just prompted this. So about if you find yourself in any kind of quote unquote homogenous context, even Jesus, what he did when he gathered his 12 disciples is he gathered 12 guys who were just as different as could be. Yeah. No, yes. yeah. It, this was a group of, of men that would not have naturally gotten along. Right. Um, and he, he, Jesus is all about the ministry of reconciliation. So whatever your context, God is always saying, look around. I want you to bring different kinds of people together. I want you to reconcile. And I want you to, to show the world, you know, how my people are to be. Yeah. And, and I think even to distinguish it in the ways that I think your, your own ministry and book can, can grapple to it and, and, is that, and we talked about this with Mark DeMoz when he was on the show uh, several episodes ago, uh, is that, we'll put in in this particular conversation, Jesus uh, evangelized homogeneously, there it is. But then he discipled you toward multi-ethnicity. Exactly, exactly, I love it, perfect. And so, and and even even when we see sort of how the, the, the church began, it began with, culturally different Jews, and then it expanded to uh, the Gentiles. So, so what, what we talk about is, again, that there's a, there's a way in which this, this homogenous unit principle works, but it's more for evangelism as opposed to building a church. And that's the, the, the way that we've gone off is that we've tried to build uh, a particular church or an entity around this uh, homogenous uh, thought process uh, as opposed to use it as a way to really uh, engage contexts uh, in more uh, efficient ways, and so so I, I appreciate uh, that particular clarity, and that's just for anybody who's here. So um, now you do have this; you have these books coming out, right? You it's yes. color courageous discipleship, um, but then you also have color courageous discipleship student edition. Now mm-hmm. is yes. now look, I, I'm gonna ask the question, Michelle. Okay, now you need to hear the question, and, and you will because I'm talking about it. Uh, 
are you just trying to make us get two books here? I mean, <laughs> is that it? Or is it? Or is there a way that you color courageously disciple students that's different than you do adults? So I know we just became friends like at 40 minutes ago, um, but uh, friends, that, that, though. Uh, yeah, not really friends. We're not. We, we became acquaintances and now we're not going to be, be friends. Not be, we're nice. not going to be friends now because I've asked you the question. I just want to know because Disney makes yes, us buy, Disney makes us buy all these movies all the time. Are you making us just buy two books or what am I looking for that's different in these two books? All right, gentlemen. So there's a couple <laughs> of things, I ways I would respond to this. First of all, In my role serving as a national discipleship leader, I basically need to equip uh, pastors and churches. And so I am constantly thinking about how can leaders disciple their entire community? Mm -hmm. And so as part of that, I I also oversee uh, youth ministry and children's ministry. So whenever I'm rolling something out, I'm constantly thinking I'm going to make a leader's job so much easier if essentially every age group or and every family can yeah. be engaged at the same time That's right good. so i think we have a bad habit when it comes to discipleship of really really segmenting everybody mm. out um but i think the best growth happens in in community and as a family too so from the beginning i was immediately thinking well i've got this this work i want to put out there but i very much want to make sure that parents can go with you know with, through it with their kids or you know adults with other with other young people um, and so, so that was the initial idea, but you also ask, you know, how is the conversation different with students? And my goodness, it really is. Um, I'll say just a couple things. I actually think that students or young people, uh, probably will be more open to what is to be found in this book. And the earlier we can start, the better. But what we know is that young people are very interested in these conversations. You know, uh, more and more research is coming out and just saying this this is what young people are looking for in, in a community, in a church, in an organization. They want to see inclusivity. They want to see awareness. They want to see equity happen. They do want you, this more than the older generations do. Yeah, do you have a sense of maybe why that is for our audience potentially? <laughs> well, you know, every generation is is going to, is going to be more awake or alive to certain realities than the previous Did she just one. say awake on the show? I, I mean, did. She just I, said it. She knew it. She, 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 said it. She, she said it. It came out of her she mouth. She's it. like, oh, my she gosh, I totally baited it. all the people. Yes, we. That's now oh, it's the whole show that? is under wokeism. It's all woke. Uh, and, that sound is the is the turning off of all the people who just turned their show off. Oh, that is so the word woke was said. Just click. No. No, I didn't say woke. I know, but you implied it. You implied it. People are awaking to new ideas. Yeah, yeah. There's always ways, I think, that, you know, new generations generations uh, do better uh-huh. than yeah, previous right. ones and yeah. for whatever reason race is one of those i'm sure. not saying across the board but so. surveys seem to show this why is that what we know that um younger generations are already like um much more diverse mm. and depending on how far down you go yeah. um it's already majority minority right uh, the younger you get and so I think it's just a matter of people's everyday reality that, you know, their, their worlds are not monochromatic anymore, whether it's through the internet or through their immediate context. Um, And so, so yeah, they, they are very interested. And so I wanted to talk directly to young people using illustrations that would, you know, um, interest them so that, listen, there is interest in the pursuit of justice, but not necessarily in the pursuit of Jesus. Uh, uh, yes. You know, they're not necessarily the same passion level. Okay. And yeah. so part of my project was connecting the two, mm. the pursuit of justice and the pursuit of Jesus go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think yeah. it's interesting because, you know, we talked about skin in the game earlier in the show and how uh, for many people, this conversation, as long as you don't have good relationships with people who are different than you, then it's easier for you to, to 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 step away from the work here or to not be courageous and take the risk to do the things. But when you you marry someone or you have a really great friend, uh, you're a really great friend with someone, uh, or you know, and somehow a stronger relational bond is created. Suddenly, interests 
the interest level in the conversation rises. And one of the key aspects you mentioned with young people is those relationships are, uh, they have closer relationships with people who are different than them, a higher quality, uh, excuse me, higher quantity than their parents do. And so when this issue comes up, the young people, the teens and the young adults, they have a name and a face that they're attaching to this conversation. Um, and that name and face is someone that they know and that they care about and that they want to fight for. And there's a many other people, a generation before, there's less names and faces associated to the conversation. So it's easier just to sort of to sort of back away. I think that's one of the one of the major reasons there's a connection to this conversation. These people young people literally were fighting for their friends uh, in this conversation. And um and in many cases, increasingly, as you mentioned, their family members, um, where 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 before a generation didn't seem to have those sort of connections as much. Yeah, I do think there that, but it, it, and with that, one of the things I think you're doing to help that next generation is you're you're still pushing to deconstruct that colorblindness that say yeah. our generation was kind of being taught to think through. So you've got this younger generation and they're being taught by our generation, which was told to be colorblind. So it can be very easy for our generation to kind of, to kind of continue that thought process into the younger folks. And what you're doing with your, your work is you're deconstructing that for them uh, to say, Hey, I know you got, I know you got a lot of friends that are look different and, and kind of from different cultures. And you've been told to kind of just go, Oh, well, they're just like me. And, and so you're going, no, they're, they're actually not just like you. And that's the point. Uh, is that they are they are supposed to be different than you and to some ex- in some extent so that you can learn more about who God is in the world right so you're you're bringing more of that together uh, which I think is such a, a powerful uh, aspect and and you you talked about you know that you can kind of you kind of take it in in sort of across the family if you will which which leads me to uh, the 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 third of the three. Uh, that she's decided to throw out in, in November. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably be the one that I can understand the best is this last one, uh, is the picture book um, with God's, it's called God's Beloved Community, right? So right. Uh, is that just for the adults like me or was there another <laughs> was there another demographic in mind as you wrote this book and put this one together? Oh, okay, yeah. The Really, the picture book, what I tell people is, if you want a Cliff Notes version mm. of my work, just pick up the picture book. Fantastic. <laughs> That's what I say. Nice. There it nice. is. So the nice. subtitle of the of Color Courageous Discipleship is Follow Jesus, Dismantle Racism, and Build Beloved Community. Got it. And so the so the work is building up to what is God's ultimate dream for us? What is the dream that we see painted in the scriptures? It is this dream of beloved community. That was a phrase that um, Martin Luther King popularized, and essentially it's about a healthy uh, community that reflects the kingdom of God, diverse, um, but also loving one another with agape love and equity. Um, it's a beautiful idea that he never got a chance to expand upon. And so in this uh, children's book, I essentially do that. I expand upon the concept of beloved community, starting from King. Um, it starts with a little girl who's uh, at school around Martin Luther King Day, and then she's learning, oh, yeah, Martin Luther King, he's, he, he, was, he talked about civil rights. But then at church, I learned about how he talked about beloved community, this biblical concept, you know, and, um, and it expands from there. But ultimately, what, what we're calling people to is beloved community. It's not, this journey is not all about, you know, rights and, and all of that. It, that that's, that's definitely important. But at the end of the day, it's about love. It, it's about the love, of, the love that God calls us to in himself and for one another. And so the picture book, uh, it was an absolute delight. And you're right. It's for everybody. It's the Cliff Notes version. Very cool. Well, I'm look, I'm I'm delighted to have the Cliff, cliff Notes with all the books we get to. For us, so, yeah, uh, we <laughs> thank you. Finally, finally made it for us. And uh, and I'm with you. I think that, you know, that this conversation around uh, uh, beloved community, um, when you when you really adopt that idea. And again, it has its it has its, you know, some faults in there somewhere. Um, because it's still man-made, but the idea of this beloved community is moving towards getting to the thing that God has designed for us. And and as we practice the, the pillar aspects, which are the love and the care uh, and, you know, attaching it even, even to a larger scope as the the great um, 
um, uh, I think it calls it the big global house. I think it's like yes. this extension of it. Um, you know, you're starting to build these relationships and this understanding about how people engage in the world and together uh, in which you don't have to talk about rights uh, and, and, and the injustice that's going on because people are working towards each other. Now, of course, the humans, and you're going to have to talk about rights, right? Because people are always trying to, you know, kind of center themselves. But that's that's the vision that we're trying to set for people is this beloved community. And not everybody's on board with, with those ideas. Uh, but one of the things I appreciate with uh, talking about the beloved community and, and kind of bringing, you know, Dr. King into the midst of the space in, in this way is I think sometimes people look at Dr. King and they, they kind of believe him to be somebody who was just talking about black people and what black people's rights and things of that nature. But as you, you know, if you read his writings and understand more about his big vision, it is into your, to, to kind of what you've got, you've sent to your book, it, it's color courageous, which is not just about black courageous or white courageous. It's like everybody gets to be a part of this thing. And that's really the center of his heart and even his ministry as you followed him through even the just discussions and uh, traveling to Hawaii and uh, going to in the Vietnam War and the ways he wanted to see the Vietnamese treated and all these different things. Right, and so, right. uh, so the beloved community is is just such a great illustration uh, to be illustrated uh, for your Cliff Notes books. So <laughs> excited! Uh, so we've got yeah. just a few more minutes with you, but so we we got the conference coming. Um, what what should we expect to to hear from you and see from you uh, at the Mosaic Conference this year? Yes. So I am planning to speak about moving from colorblind to color courageous. Just what exactly does that mean? What's wrong with colorblindness? There is some fascinating new research Mm. about how colorblindness actually works in us and the impact that it has unintentionally outside Mm. of us. Um, And so I look forward to explaining a little bit more about colorblindness, the nature of it, and why we want to get away from it, and then invite people into, you know, this really courageous uh, experience of pursuing God's multi-ethnic kingdom. Mm. Oh, look, I'm I'm already ready. I, I, I'm hope I'm, <laughs> I'm ready hope I'm, now too. Let's do it. I, I hope I'm not in something else. Like I'm gonna have to just get it, you know. But for everybody else, look, it, that's just a taste. You've gotten a good portion uh, of what Michelle has uh, been talking about and been working on for several years, and uh, being able to to understand her journey and and to even find out more about you as a person, which I think is so important as we come to this conversation. People want to know again the person behind the message, uh, and the message that you're gonna have at Mosaic sounds dope. It sounds like a lot of uh, really good stuff. Uh, I love having more research to kind of put in to um, yeah. to support uh, really what God uh, has probably been saying since the very beginning. So, uh, so that's look Mosaic Conference uh, uh, is coming, uh, and so we want to make sure that we go check that out. So, Michelle, we're so glad uh, that you came on the show. How can uh, how can people get in touch with you uh, after after this time? Yes. So two ways. So you can go to colorcourageous.com and find out information about all three of these books about to come out in November, colorcourageous.com or just special for you. Oh, I like it. You can also get a sneak preview of all three books. Okay. And that includes a chapter of both the adult edition and the student edition, as well as the first several pages of of the Marcus edition. Oh, the picture book. Yes. The picture book. So um, all three books, you're going to, access to more than you can find anywhere else. Okay. If you text the word courage to 44144, text courage to 44144 and you'll have it in your inbox. Mm, I like when people come with some extra stuff here, Antoine. <laughs> and that's the sound of people's pulling over right now. <laughs> I'm hoping pulling they're pulling over. Yes. It's the and sound of people. Little, yeah. All those little <laughs> That's what you're hearing right now. Those are the text, uh, text 44144. Is that right? Yes. And you want to text the word courage. Correct. Uh, what a great word to text. So yeah, let's, let's, uh, I see no reason why the full color commentary fam shouldn't jump in on that. I do. If they're driving, don't do it. Like, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Like pull over, over to honey, you know, honey on the left. I know you're courageous, right, but, but don't be that. Yeah, don't be that courageous. You know what I mean? That's, hey, look, that's not look, what that we're. That ain't the risk we talk no, about. No, God's got, got other things <laughs> for you. Always taking stuff we don't out need of to, you know what I mean? Uh, well, hey, this has been a, been a great conversation with Michelle, Michelle Sanchez. Uh, the books that are coming out in November are Color Courageous Discipleship. Color Courageous Discipleship Student Edition, which she's told us is we need it. So we're going to do that. And then, of course, the picture book, God's Beloved Community. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show. 
It's a pleasure. And for those of you who'd like to hear more from Michelle and others, please make sure that you become uh, a part of the Mosaic Conference, whether you're going to be in person or whether you're going to do it virtually. If you want to do it in person, you can go to mosaicsconference.com and get your tickets. If you buy a ticket, make sure you use the, the coupon code THREADED in the coupon code place, I guess. Uh, and that'll get you 20% off any tickets that you or the group that you're bringing is doing. And you'll be able to hang out with Antoine and I uh, in person there, we'll be there. You can come by and say what's up. But if you can't come in, you can still hang out with Antoine and I uh, through the virtual conference. You can go to mosaicsconference.vfairs, V as in victory in Jesus, victory, V fairs. I don't I know. I don't know. I'm sorry. It just came out. I just felt Jesus. Victory! You, you messed it up right Jesus. there. Man. It was, it yeah. was all good. Was it good? Then, okay, well, that, that's, I messed right. it all up. Mosaic Conference. V for victory. Yes, mosaicconference.vfairs.com. That'll get you the virtual. $69 for one. It goes down as you bring more people. Come hang out. It's going to be a good time. You'll hear us. And even more importantly, you'll be able to hear Michelle. Uh, do it immediately. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it. No, again, if you're driving, I mean, um, other than why, well, <laughs> they've already pulled over to do, you know, they, to, they to text courage. So while you're there, purchase the tickets. Absolutely. Purchase tickets. Don't there. wait. Do it all while you're there on the way Be to wherever decisive. you're going. Uh, look, if you're on your way, you know this. this is colored commentary and colorful conversations. This doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it's just people who are of color here, but you get to look through different lenses and see the world through different ways. Uh, and it's a place, I guess, that you can become more color courageous uh, yeah. as you are being, uh, being introduced to all the lenses out there that show you all the ways and the perspectives that we get to see God from the ethnic and colorful black grounds that God has created. And so now, uh, Knowing that, we always like to tell you as you go throughout your day, please stay colored. All righty. I am in Thank you so much. Here. Hold up. I'm just Guys, in the That's so much fun. Oh, wait. I shouldn't have ended the broadcast. That's okay. I know, that's I all right. Know. I got it's it. Okay, I got man. it. I got it on the other space. Yeah, I, the other thing. I got you. <laughs> that's why you didn't do it because you're like, you're an idiot. That's why I didn't do it. Yeah. Don't, I shouldn't be messing with anything technical. I shouldn't <laughs> do it. I don't know why I did that. So, uh, Lord, I apologize. Michelle, great show. Thanks for being on. Oh, you I think so, so too. much fun. Good stuff. I'm looking forward to uh, the book. And we weren't lying. I mean, you were just literally just like the stuff we talk about. It was just coming out. I was like, look, I don't even have to say nothing today. One Michelle thing after the other. Yeah. Just blop, blop, blop. No, yes, there's a lot yes, of things good. you said that were, you know, um, building upon like thought, thoughts I've had. And that's what I'm looking forward to at the Mosaics Conference. Yeah. Like, oh, fill me in with the pieces I don't have yet and make it richer and better. That's so, exactly. And that's what you, you get. Both. If you get to sit in on any of the, I know you got to speak and do it, but if you get to sit in on any of those breakouts, I mean, the kind of stuff that just drops out of the mouths of people, you're like, what are you? It was actually in 2019. <laughs> I tell the story all the time. It's 2019, the Mosaic Conference. I'm in a break out michael emerson is there and all these all these very important people are in this breakout i not me but people leading it and uh and somebody just raises their hand and they go hey like to the crowd they're like hey everybody have y'all ever heard of this critical race theory and everybody's like what's that crt anybody know what that is and everybody's like ah i don't know what that is and they're like, okay it's this thing blah 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 and i was like and like here we go a couple months later we were like here it is so there it is this is the prequel to whatever problem we're going to be dealing with next year, <laughs> right. this is where we're going to find out about we'll it. Get it early. Yes, exactly. Oh, man. But thanks for coming right, on. Well, we well appreciate make sure it. you come by our booth. We meet you I in person. I will find you. Yes. Yeah. We will we be in the be, middle. Hopefully, we're in a very, we're in a very prominent easy space. Easy to find yes. place. But uh, we'll try to make that work. But it'd be, it'd be great to to shake your hand in person. That's right. We might need to get you after your, after your speaking, too, just to make sure we can do, do a, a follow-up interview with you yeah it'd be that, so much fun love it. Thank love you both. It. it's an honor to be with you thank you thanks for coming here we'll see you in a few few weeks all right bye all right. bye all right you want to try one i'm sorry i totally turned it off i was just like hey, okay. I gotta do it. that's right we'll yeah do it. yeah yeah
I was like, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna pop back out because I did that last time, and I was like, oh no, you can't hit record again. <laughs> no, no, I mean, thing. we could technically go out and come back into something and do that if you wanted to actually record it, but well, I'm recording uh, it over here. So okay, yeah. <clears throat> so as long as the audio, you know, the we'll audio have the audio. We just won't have the video for it. Yeah, and yeah. So we ended the show as if it's a single, so you know, uh, yeah. we always have that option. So yeah, so let's take ten minutes or so and just unpack, okay. you know, that kind of stuff. So. We'll pretend like the video, she's finished, and we've, you know, done a thing. And All right, Antoine, man, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that talk with Michelle. How about yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good to meet. Good to meet. Oh, Michelle, that's going to be, um, I think her talk is going to be a really good talk. Uh, courageous, uh, rather, uh, moving from colorblind. Uh, and on which is a conversation we have all the time yeah. so but it'll be interesting to hear someone who it sounds like she's really really focused and zoomed in on that particular topic and mm-hmm. so i'm sure she's going to bring some some new language and some new ideas around that that will be really helpful uh, she's already did it she did it in that show right. so well yeah. and you know i've always always joked like even even our allies are if i can call it our allies, but I'll say specifically even our white allies, as we're training them, right? Because we go to churches and train and stuff. Uh, I'm always, I'm always having to sometimes like continually correct and and guide our our our, our friends to not think of things as colorblind, you know. Yeah. And people will say things like they're just like, well, you know, I just don't see color, or you know, there's no difference between us, or these kinds of things. And I have to go, well, actually. There is, and it's intentional, right? But I have to keep saying it, and there's still these folks who look at me when I'm telling them, and they look at me like, "Oh, that's very nice of you to say. That's great." But I'm gonna still keep thinking what I'm. But thinking. I'm gonna still. I'm gonna it. keep. I'm gonna keep it moving. So I'm. I'm curious because she's talking about like new research that kind of helps you understand, yeah. uh, and what I'm assuming is going to be uh, understand why and how colorblindness actually hinders us from some of the things that we desire to see going forward, uh, even yeah. in ourselves, right? I think that'll be curious because there's a part of me that's always viewed color colorblindness yeah. two different ways. Like the one the one thing about colorblindness was okay, so it's an it's supposed to answer the question of value. Yeah. And so you're trying to attack value, the fact of not seeing other people as less valuable than sure. you right, which by is... saying, Hey, the, the the distinguishing factor of that lack of value is skin color therefore if we can erase skin color then we'll erase yeah. the concept of lo- someone being less valuable than we are <laughs> and i think ironic. and i think unfortunately that's just not the way that that really ultimately works but i think that's what the people you're talking about i think that's what they're trying to intimate they're sure. saying no no i haven't assigned any value on anyone based on their color you're colorblind so the the the, the stigma or the value placement on, based on color is 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 moot and um, uh, I think and I think that has been, if you will, a ne- in my head, I've always seen it as a next step, but not a final step, yeah. if you will, in the conversation. And um, and so if the problem is that sometimes people see that next step as a final step. The other thing I'm curious about is, is colorblindness harmful? So in the first way I just described it, if it's a next step, then it's like a part of a process. So it's good. It's just not the end in the end all be all. Uh, that's one way to view it. Right. Another way to, way to view it is to be like, it's not, it's actually not good. It's, it's harmful and, and not a part of the process, but a distraction to the process. And, you know, those are things I'm thinking through at the moment. Like, where, where do I feel on that? Do I feel like, you know, would I rather uh, a white supremacist move to the phase of colorblindness and then move to the phase of valuing people individually? Uh-huh. Or would I just try to push them past the colorblind piece and go straight to, you know, whatever the final phase is? And if that makes sense, what I'm saying. So those are things I'm kind of working through. And I'll be, it'd be curious to see, you know, with the with the data and the, and the research, you know exactly what we do with that. I've heard people talk about color blindness in a really negative way, yeah. in to say as a way to say it's completely you need to you need to throw that completely out. Um, and I don't know to to date. How can I say to I don't know maybe maybe today I guess up until recently thinking through it, um, I'd always thought it's not bad. It's just not there's just more to do, you uh-huh. know, there's just, there's just more to the process. Uh, so anyway, those are my thoughts around that, which will make her, her, um, her talk more interesting. And hopefully maybe that might be someplace we chat 
with some of the folks who join us online, maybe that'll be a space. We say, hey, what's the value of yep. colorblindness? Maybe that's a maybe that's a topic of discussion. Possibly. And you know, when you're you're talking about, it, I think you know, value can go either way, right? I think that's part exactly. of the conversation is yeah. in colorblindness, you are you are trying to strip it's almost like you're trying to strip people from any value at all. Um, the 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 sort of pejorative aspect is we recognize or uh, for it, it's a great conversation for those who don't think that racism plays any part in life. Right. The fact that we're trying to erase races uh, because we recognize that historically certain races ha- have been considered to be less than and we're trying to get away from that idea is just it just proves that that it's been a part of American society. But nonetheless, um, the, the way we've talked about sort of the idea of color has been in a sort of negative way. It has always been a pejorative, like we're assigning you colors or racial categories for the majority so we can put some people at the top and others at the bottom. But I think if we if we take the value and flip it on its head as a positive thing, I think that's where colorblindness can be a very uh, uh, or, or the the practice of colorblindness, if you will, wait, is also is also another way that it's terrible or that it's harmful is that we're not recognizing the value of people. Right. The value of these different colorful, different cultured, uh, different ethnic groups together. And that's what I think we're pushing for is to recognize that if you can look at another person and go, oh, my gosh, because they're different, they actually not necessarily have more value than someone else or they're the most valuable people in the world, but that they have a value that I want to be connected to. Like, man, you probably have something to teach me. Uh, You're looking at a God through a different lens or perspective that I need to see. Those people become valuable. Uh, I think that that's where color, again, erasing color from the picture can be detrimental across the board and even harmful because you miss out on that opportunity as well. Um, so, I, again, I, if there are. Yeah, I think it's well said. So, I, yep. It's because it's the answer. ends up being yeah, colorblindness the, being the answer to the wrong question. The question is the problem was value, uh-huh, not color. Not color, yeah. 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 And so somehow you thought that you could solve the value question by dealing with the color. Uh-huh. But it turns out the value question is still a value question. We have to be taught to see people as valuable people. Right. And the color is their color or their ethnicity or their culture is uh, is a feature of their value. Yes. Not something that needs to be erased yes. so that they can be valued or so that everyone can be seen in some 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 um, base level value position. Right. You know? Um, which, which, and speaks- that's not how the conversation has been no. going. We, we've kind of, we've assumed that if we can get rid of the, the way we see people of color, that we will get rid of the, the value stigmas associated with those colors, and um, and history has shown us a that that doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work even if when you think you're when you think you're doing it, you're not actually doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, because you know, sociologically, we still see that yeah. you're a black person, that's it. and our and our social context teach us to respond to our environment. And the people therein, in certain types of ways. So you're going to respond to people based on their race and their culture and their levels of education and all that stuff. It's going to you're going to do that because that's who you are sociologically, as a as a feature of any particular society. So that's not it. What we have to train our brains to think about is how do how much do we how much do we value uh, people and uh, and keep the color intact. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, and if I can. If I can get rid, if I can say something that we can lose the rest of our uh, listeners on, uh, we already lost them on woke, right, and awaken, as she said on there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, but this is why I think some people are proponents of affirmative action in this sense, right? Again, we've talked about this idea of affirmative action or hiring people of different colors. To really, it's been always kind of said in the pejorative. It's like you know we're we're correcting a, uh, a, a, a equitable wrong, you know, an injustice in some ways. We're giving people opportunity that they didn't have before, and and that doesn't always sell as well as the recognition that part of the reason we're doing affirmative action is because we recognize that because people are different, they actually bring something different to the table that is a value that you can't get with just one singular, you know, group represented. So you start to go, Hey, the, the people who are of this, you know, colorful black ground and this colorful black ground, one or two, 
they actually bring value to our company, value to our church by just being who they are and seeing the world that through their own eyes. So we need to bring them on the team for that particular reason, right? So yes, I am hiring uh, an Asian person because they're Asian. Well, you're doing that because of equality and political correctness. It's like, no, I'm doing it because the Asian culture and the Asian perspective is a perspective that my team doesn't have. And the world is made up of a very large group of people who come from that particular ilk and background. So they're going to, they're going to add tremendous value to the team, uh, whether it's perspective or even for profit (laughs) in a sense. Right. So uh, I think that that's where, again, kind of flipping that value proposition on its head a bit, uh, around why not to be why not to strip people of their color is it helps in a lot of different ways and so yeah uh, so I appreciate having that conversation with her and uh, look forward to um, being with her at the mosaic conference and again if you if you are going to the mosaic conference make sure uh, when you sign up I'm just I'm just assuming people are going so I'm gonna just give them the sign up uh, go to mosaic conference.com and when you sign up and get your tickets for your 10 people you're taking with you here in Dallas or flying in with Dallas make sure you use the threaded code to get 20% off and let's not be shy about this this is an affiliation situation so if you are a person who loves threaded loves the the work that we do here when you use that uh, use that uh, that coupon code it also sends money into threaded the organization so let's just be open about that so if you know anybody who's getting tickets to the threaded conference make sure you use use threaded. Uh, and so you can continue to build, uh, the ministry that we're doing and being able to go after that. So, and the rest of you definitely come in and be a part of the virtual space, uh, mosaicsconference.vfairs.com, vfairs.com. Uh, and you can be a part of that. Uh, so we're excited. Uh, we're so glad again, thankful that uh, Michelle was able to be on the show. Antoine, always good to have you on the show. We're so, uh, feel so honored that you listeners would be a part of the show as well. Uh, this is Colored Commentary, colorful conversations by colorful people about Christianity, culture, and race. And we're talking about looking at the world through the different colored lenses that are out there. Uh, being color courageous, if you will, based on what Michelle talked about. So go out there and be color courageous. And as you do it, stay colored. You have been listening to Colored Commentary, powered by Threaded, a biblical reconciliation organization. To find out more about Threaded, check out wearethreaded.org. And to join the show for live recordings and other events, subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out at coloredcommentary.com.